Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Week five is here. Cannot believe it. We are already in the final week of September. We've got a ton to get to today. Uh, loaded episode. I know I say that every episode, but we got uh, we have an interview with our good friend, our best friend, Luke Del Rio. Yeah. You are definitely going to want to check that out. We've got a bunch of games to talk about in the SEC, as well as Kelly Bryant transferring from Clemson, making big news as first reported on Saturday Down South Podcast. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. But before we do that... Chris, you're going to talk to our friends about some hot sauce. It's my time to shine off the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Wednesday, Connor. You know what that means? Um, hump day, am I right? Damn, Connor. It's, again, my time to shine. Can you not I'm do sorry. this right now? You're embarrassing okay. me in front of everybody. I'm sorry. No, Connor. It's Wednesday, which means it's fourth and wrong day. This is true. This yeah. is true. Almost every single week when we do fourth and wrong in the podcast... I get a question asking, what is your go-to tailgate food? And every single week, I try to think of the most eloquent way to say, I don't care as long as it's something paired with Texas Pete hot sauce. Fair? That's true. That is true. I I told you before we came on today, I've already had three meals today, which is pretty impressive because it's only 2 o'clock. Yep. And I had Texas Pete and two of them. Yeah, fire on all cylinders right now. Fried chicken? Yeah. Potato salad? Yeah. Buffalo chicken dip, your aunt is brought for like 17 years straight to the tailgate. Yup. Um, just like singing fight songs or yelling, run the damn ball at my TV on third down. Texas Pete has been a staple of my fall Saturdays, Connor, since I was a kid. That's real. Wow. I actually uh, do believe that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. You can see it's yeah. on the edges of my lips right now. So, I know. I know. I, I'm glad you didn't say anything. I, shouldn't I was going to tell you to clean that up. You look a little <laughs> sloppy, but nobody has to see that, so we're good. No, it's a staple, and I want everyone to know it. It should be a staple of your tailgate this season as well. And if you're looking for a way to kick up your menu while you're tailgating or just your overall food options during a day of watching football, head on over to texaspeat.com slash tailgate. They've got amazing recipes that aren't just good. They're simple. And don't forget to pick up a bottle of Texas Pete hot sauce at your local store because this week's game day is going to be a big one. You want a tailgate. You don't want a failgate. Heard it here first. Also, I, like I have that. four bottles of Texas Pete in my, in my fridge. Might mean too much. Yes, that is too much. Yes, we here, we here at the Saturday Down South podcast are presented by Texas Pete. If you have not seen the logo yet, our cool logo with Texas Pete, you should check it out because it is pretty sweet. So, you can't stand the Pete. Stay out of the, the kitchen. Did, went to the well too many times. All right. I, 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 that actually sounded pretty good from the start. Uh, Callie Bryant apparently cannot stand the heat because he is getting out of Death Valley, the other Death Valley. Uh, he is transferring from Clemson, the big news of the day. Uh, of course, earlier in the week, it comes out that um, that Dabo Sweeney ultimately uh, elects to go with Trevor Lawrence, of course, the five-star true freshman. And subsequently, we find out that, oh, Kelly Bryant has set out of practice, <laughs> and he apparently is talking to Dabo about transferring. I threw that out as sort of a hypothetical right when we heard this it, Trevor like Lawrence it's news. so late in the night. It was like Monday night at like, what, 9, 9.30? Yeah, it was when I threw that tweet out, are you saying? Yeah. I threw it out in the afternoon, but it picked up traction at night. That's the yeah. way that thing that's Just that, floating that in my works. mentions, and I was like, what is this? Yeah, so this I threw that out on, on Monday because it, it was interesting, the timing of this, and the fact that Kelly Bryant, uh, now with this new redshirt rule, can leave Clemson and basically have one more year of eligibility left as a grad transfer he can play immediately. Had he played one more down at Clemson this year, his career's over in December, and that's... 
that's the reality of the situation. So in the SEC, that's obviously of interest because as a South Carolina native, of course, we're going to talk about Kelly Bryant potentially coming to the SEC. There are already rumors of maybe two potential SEC teams that would make a lot of sense. Ain't coming to Bama. He's not going to Bama. He's not going to Bama. Although, do you you think he's already ahead of Jake Fromm in someone's special power rankings? Uh, someone probably would say that, but although someone would also say that Kelly Bryant is not an NFL quarterback, or at least isn't this week. So a lot of people would say that too. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. A lot of people would say that, but wait till next week and Kelly Bryant can move up like eight spots just for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, no, but Kelly Bryant of course is being linked to Arkansas and Auburn as two potential landing spots. And I like the sound of both of those for, for different reasons, actually. The Arkansas connection is somewhat obvious just because Chad Morris was the one who recruited him to come to Clemson to be Deshaun Watson's replacement back in the day. And people might forget this, that uh, Kelly Bryant actually had this serious sickness come down uh, his junior year of, of high school where he like lost 50 pounds, spent a month in the hospital, uh, had to have this emergency surgery, and Chad Morris offered him after that and basically wow. stuck with him and stuck by him. So even though he didn't get to coach him at Clemson because he ultimately went to SMU and is now at Arkansas. Yeah, he said stuck by him. And then, you know, so. Stuck by him. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if you know he goes to Arkansas. Can you imagine how much more interesting Arkansas gets if they get Kelly Bryant next year? be a really awkward pitch, like, like just the elephant in the room. Like, so, Kelly, you going to go to Auburn, top 10 program, or remember that time I didn't let you die? That's well, that might be. Eh. We don't know if he let him, if he was in charge of not letting him die. Well, I know, um, just let's like, just throw it out. That would be my recruiting pitch. Yeah, let's let's put it on the on the pitch I mean, for sure. I would love it if he went to Arkansas. I would love it if anybody went to Arkansas at this point. I mean, because it's been like a rough start to the year. But I mean, yeah, I think he would do great in that offense. He's already familiar with him. He has one year left. So and then plus for his like NFL film and tape, if he wants to go to the next level, he's going to be in the best division in all of college football. Which is a good point. And he would get to throw the ball a lot, get to play some games against some marquee defenses. The From a personnel standpoint, the Arkansas thing makes sense. I would argue that, schematically speaking, Auburn makes more sense. Yeah. But that's also, you know, we're assuming that Jared Stidham is going to go to the NFL. All signs point to that happening after this year. That's the worst kept secret there is, even though he would technically have another year of eligibility. Right. But this would make a lot of sense for for Auburn as well from the standpoint that I think Joey Gatewood is still extremely raw. And based on what we saw from him in the spring, I think he has a long way to go. And he did not look like a guy who in you know nine months was all of a sudden going to be billed as a starting quarterback of a potential top 15 program. I think that that's tough to stomach. Right. So Kelly Bryant, giving that giving them that one year of, of buffer would actually make a lot of sense. I would agree with that. I mean, this is like... We have, we have it here listed in, in our notes. Kelly Bryant or Jalen Hurts? Who's Auburn going to get? <laughs> it, I mean, and like, it's, it really is. Like, that was like the first thought I had. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's, it's not even in question. Side note, if you're a high school quarterback recruit and you get a phone call, a letter, or anything from Auburn, how do you take that seriously? I'm not just saying that to be like... Yeah, that doesn't sound biased at all. But, but seriously, when's, when's the last time they have brought in a quarterback that Malzahn recruited, groomed, and developed by himself and not was just a, it was not just a, a transfer or kicked out of another school. Yeah, and speaking of that point, I thought it was kind of it was I tweeted this out. I thought it was a good sign of progress that we have a potential grad transfer quarterback and LSU is not being linked to him. Good, <laughs> good for you, not LSU. Good for you. Yeah, um, that's a good point. He's way too athletic to go to LSU. That's I, I mean, point. I think this is 
I wasn't saying that to be biased or anything like that. It's a it's a pretty fair point if you think about it. I understand what you're saying. They really that. don't. He hasn't developed a quarterback. It's been a really big knock on him in recruiting, um, like one of the only knocks on him in recruiting, honestly. But yeah, Kelly Bryant. I would take Kelly Bryant over Jalen Hurts in that really? in that offense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ke- Kelly Bryant is schematically, like I said, I think he's a really nice fit in the Auburn offense because. In a short passing game, throwing to his left and right, uh, College Football Film Room put out the stat about Kelly Bryant, and he's like a 77% passer throwing to his left or through to his right uh, if it's less than 10 yards or something right. like that, which is basically all Jared Stidham has been allowed to do yeah. in that offense. It's it's deep shots, and then it's you know within 10 yards. So I think from that standpoint, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I think Gus Malzahn would be really attracted yeah. to the idea of having one year of Kelly Bryant. And also having an offense again. I, like... And this is not a joke when I when I say this about Gus Malzahn. When I when I look at his offense and what quarterback, like who the ideal quarterback is in that offense, for me it's Nick Marshall. It is it is an athletic quarterback who can beat you with his legs first and can do enough in the passing game. We talked about it a little bit, you know, you'll hear it later a little bit with the uh, Luke Del Rio interview, but yeah, that's that's who I think is at the top of that quarterback list that's played under Malzahn. And I think Kelly, Kelly- Bryant is pretty close to that he's a lot better of a passer. Yeah, and he's a better runner than, than Jared Sidham. Doesn't yeah. have the arm in, in the NFL, um, the things that NFL scouts like, but I think that he is, is someone who would really benefit from that. So, yeah, Arkansas and Auburn, maybe it is a great, uh, you know, one of these these great recruiting battles that we'll see. Who knows when he's going to make his decision yeah. on this? I think that a lot of that uh, could be dependent on what guys go to the NFL. I mean, right. he could decide to wait on this for a while. So He might just take a semester off, find himself. Yeah. Become a bartender, what? get really into Doritos. I did it. A little gap year? Yeah, you know, a little gap year. Use that, use that year of eligibility wisely. Yeah. Uh, this is the new precedent, though, in Still college football. Still got mine in my back pocket, so we're good. <laughs> I love how you're saving that for when you're quarterback of Bama in 2032. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about uh, some games, though, because that that is you know what we are going to, going to be watching all day on Saturday and not necessarily following which quarterbacks right. are transferring and which aren't. But... Let's lead with this, and I did not think that we would lead with this three weeks ago. South Carolina, Kentucky, most interesting game of this weekend. Hands down, I remember like twenty years ago, and it was like twenty eighteen. Man, I bet we'll have flying cars. Now it's twenty eighteen. We have bird scooters on every single corner, and <laughs> South Carolina, Kentucky is the SEC game of the week. Like, what a time to be alive, y'all! And believe it or not, Kentucky is now the favorite in this game. Kentucky started off as the underdog, right? Which I don't get that. Why? Cat. Yeah, there you go. Um, I like, like that. I, why, why is that, though? I mean, because a lot of reasons. One, the perception, Vegas is going to put out the line they think it's going to get the most even action from both sides. So it doesn't necessarily mean who they think is going to win. It's where they're going to get the most even money on both sides. But the spread has now shifted three right. points. So. so all the betters, so they did a bad job is what I'm saying. Yeah. All the betters, or maybe the sharp betters, have put a lot of money in favor of Kentucky. And South Carolina has lost four straight to Kentucky. And you would think Kentucky, given that it has knocked down all these historic streaks, yeah. if there was every year that Kentucky should be favored to beat South Carolina, this is it. I yeah. mean, if they if they start out 5-0 and and beat Carolina, it'll be the first time since, I believe, 1392 they started out 5-0. and That's that's the new one this week. That's the new That is factually correct. Yeah, yeah I, I can believe that. It's just from a, from a Kentucky hype standpoint, the hype is obviously reach new levels right. this week. It's one thing to beat Florida, a team that, you know, Florida wasn't expected necessarily to be in the cream of the crop in in the East necessarily, but Mississippi State as a top 15 team, we've seen this past week the hype go to different levels. And 
the Benny Snell Heisman campaign that we helped launch on Sunday is off and running. Okay, um, I'm a little bit disappointed though. First off, I know for a fact I said, oh, Snell, yeah, this past summer. I don't think I was the first one to do it. You weren't. You okay. weren't. All right, just making sure I don't need to hit these people up for some money. Yeah, so Kentucky's got like the domain. Yeah, no, I, I think that there would be, maybe we should get some sort of royalty from Without this. I mean, I think that's that's only fair. Uh, yeah. Kentucky's got the domain name, snellyeah.com. I've been to it. It's fantastic. You need to, to educate yourself and, and go there. I've seen the Heisman hype video that they tweeted out for him. Um, it gave me chills. I, <laughs> I was ready to run through a wall for Benny Snell. Um, it, it's, it's it's inspiring not even highlights. Stuff. It's just him yelling into a camera about how great how great his yeah. entire year is. It's, it's awesome. But yeah, I'm glad this, I'm glad you brought this part up. He is now eighty to one odds to win the Heisman because earlier this week, and we put it up on on SaturdayOnSouth.com, a website, a betting website, uh, put out the latest national title and Heisman trophy odds, and he was not on it. Which is a joke. That's a joke. How dare they? I, disrespect. The disrespect continues for Benny Snow. It's unbelievable. And A&M is still somehow in the national title uh, odds. I, I, but hey, better than Ole Miss, I guess. Yeah, that you is know? also true. But no, I mean, it's great. It's, I, I, I honestly blame us. We missed a lot of opportunities last week. No, 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 yeah, no, no. We no, should have no, started no. the hype train last week. We should have made our own music video, making fun of the cowbells, called Snell's Bells. Oh, yeah, I know, dude. I know. Gosh. Marler, why do you tell me this now? I just, because I've been beating myself up all day. As you, okay, well now I'm going to beat myself up yeah, for as you not should. having thought of that either. That's really disappointing. The hype for Kentucky, though, it, it's been fun to watch. Sports Illustrated yeah. calling Kentucky a top 10 team. I mean, that's, that's to me, that that's incredible. That, but, I mean, you come back to the point where Kentucky is the only, technically Kentucky is the only team in the SEC that has gone on the road, that is, or not, not gone oh, on the road, but has beat two ranked teams in the SEC so far. So Sure, all right, yeah. Yeah, you're I mean, that LSU, for that's you've at. done nothing. Yeah, that's a LSU, joke, what's obviously. That? I mean, the resume no, it's, was it's non-conference, great. so it doesn't count. It's great that, uh, that can, I mean, I love it. I love it. And this game, I mean, like, we're going to get to the picks later, but I don't know. I mean, every week, every week, Kentucky's tries to warn the national media and the Vegas sportsbook, stop sleeping on us, and every week they hit the snooze button. Yeah, South Carolina is in for uh, quite the, the raucous atmosphere at – uh, historic Kroger Field. Well, now it's historic because there was history there last week, so definitely historic. Um, Benny Snell. I, I think this is also a result of us and our, us kind of, you know, hyping him up, being his hype men, or at least me. You didn't yeah. want to take part in that, um, so just me. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, yeah. he, he now, when he goes, he said, you know, the attention is pretty much the same. He said it really hasn't been that much different. Although, you know, believe what you want. He said the only difference is now when he goes to his local Waffle House, he gets recognized by the waitress. That is, that's awesome. I, I've, that's... I, that happens to me sometimes, but it's usually fall by like, you can't be here. So, <laughs> it's, that's cool, Benny. That's so SEC, but the only thing that's not SEC about it is that a, wait, a Waffle House waitress would have known who Benny Snell was yeah. before last week. So, But still, now that he's getting recognized every time he goes in there, she's like, oh, and she felt so bad for not knowing who he was. I can't wait she's for like, Don't his, treat me his album to drop, in quotes. <laughs> And it's just going to be G3 on those crappy jukeboxes you see at Waffle House, like right under like Lee Greenwood, God Bless the USA. Perfect. The return of Benny the Bandit is the only thing that can make me more excited about the Snell Yeah Heisman campaign. We're going to talk later about that matchup, some of the keys to it, but we're going to go to a different matchup and the teams that actually Kentucky beat to get onto yeah. the map, Florida and Mississippi State. We're just going to call this the uh, Kentucky Consolation Bowl. I actually um, I named it myself. Um, 
the Prada Mole Sun returns. That's that's actually pretty good. You've been you've been kind of on a nice little roll to start here. I'm, I'm really good with puns. You are. You're you're a big pun guy. I'm. I always brace myself because I'm like, this is going to be some corny dad crap joke. Yeah, it, it usually is. Yeah. But that, 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 those two have actually been pretty good. Dan Mullen's return to Starkville, Stark Vegas. We expect to be a fun one. We know that the atmosphere is going to be intense. The cowbells are going to be rocking. We've been talking about this matchup for a Years. long time. But according to Dan Mullen, it's just another game. I, I hate that. I do too. I, it's like, just address it for what it is. Like Mississippi State was nothing before you got there, for the most part, besides that one fluke season in 1999. And now, and you put him on the map. You were the you're the second longest tenured coach in the SEC. Yeah, why can't we just acknowledge the yeah. fact that you were there for a decade? You obviously meant a lot to that fan base. Returning back there is going to be a little bit different yeah. than oh, facing Mizzou. Can you we make just Starkville admit that? Cool. Like, you know how difficult that is to do. Was Stark Vegas the name before Mullen was there? No. Was that a Mullen no. era thing? <laughs> yes. That's okay. I mean, so that's, that's like, what that's I'm also saying. Like a, like a thing, like everyone says, it's like, oh, Nash Vegas. I know, but only certain towns can pull it off. Yeah, I can't say Orlando Vegas. That sounds yeah, really. Yeah, it's gotta stupid. have one syllable. That's that's literally the only rule. That no, it's gotta have some sort of flow to it. Right. That's so the one syllable before it. No, anyway. no. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna circle back to that later. But let's this game itself. Mole Vegas. We know that it's, we know that it's not just another game. I'm going to be thinking of cities with Vegas attached to them. Nick Fitzvegas. <laughs> Joe Moore Vegas. All right, we're done. Uh, Mississippi State, we expect to be, or at least I expect them to be coming in with a little bit of a different perspective than they did at Kentucky last week. Obviously, coming off of a loss that they didn't expect to have, uh, get a chance to play uh, an SEC game in front of the home fans, and one that y- you should have a little extra juice for. And if yeah. I'm Joe Moorhead, I am playing this up all week long and i know that it's a little bit weird because he's the that predecessor he's the guy that <laughs> took over but at the same time there are certain things that there are certain strings that are worth pulling that you don't know how many times you're gonna get to pull them and you yeah. got to kind of capitalize on that but i mean like and i don't know how they feel about mullen leaving but that it's it does seem weird because he'd been there for so long it's like it's like there's like an amicable breakup with like your parents and like your stepdad's like all of a sudden like your dad's coming back we're gonna beat him up no, that's dad. He's cool, man. Like, what, what are you talking about? Stop it, Joe. You're cool, too. We've, We're all friends. Um, we've got, we do have an all Starkville edition uh, for Mullen's return of It Might Mean Too Much. So we're going to get to some, yeah. some of that stuff later on, some good stuff that you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for. But I think just the overall nature of this game, with it being a 6 o'clock kick, weird kickoff time, yeah. by the way, 6 o'clock Eastern, um, and the fact that you have two programs that – Really, really want to prove something. I mean, I think Florida getting off to a one and two start in SEC play, Dan Mullen losing at the place that he sort of built would be a really tough thing to would be a tough tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And then on the flip side, if Joe Moorhead gets off to an zero and two zero and two mark in SEC play and makes preseason people people who predicted in the preseason that they were going to win you. ten games only lose one game in the SEC look really really bad, I think that'd be tough for his public image. I mean, this is a, this is I'm not saying this to be funny. This is an elimination game for a New Year's Day bowl. No, it's not. Yes, yes, it is. Because the Florida rest State, of these two schedules. I said Florida State. I meant Florida. Florida is not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. You know, I hate to say it. There's only a couple more days. Not a New Year's. Not New Year's Six. New Year's Day. I know it's New Year's Day Bowl is yeah, relatively tough. Right. Just because you win six, seven games doesn't mean you're going to a New Year's Day Bowl. Just saying. Oh, I know there are a lot of people who say. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I don't. Sorry. I mean, they I might. Mean, I'm not saying they're going to win six or seven games. What I'm saying is like this. This game is going to 
it's an elimination game from the national relevance, national title. I didn't want to say that because it seems, seems pretty obvious. I don't want to write on their parade. So, I'll correct myself. Wait. I think I know. Okay, so you're trying to say like this is an eliminator game it's in a itself. Big game. It's not they to need say to win it. <laughs> it's not to say that that the winner of this game is going to make a New Year's Day bowl, but right. the loser of this game therefore cannot. Okay. Right, because it's obvious from looking at both these teams, even in the you're preseason, right. neither one would be good enough to win ten games. And anybody that would make an assumption or prediction How like that you. is crazy. <laughs> How dare you? But listen, How man, I can't you. wait. We probably need to move on to the next game. But let me close with this: What happens in Starkville stays in Vegas. Dang it. Damn it, Chris. What happens in Athensville? <laughs> Athens, <laughs> yes, Vegas. seamless transition. <laughs> what happens? Uh, Tennessee and Georgia. T- Tennessee fans might not want to um, really talk about what happens in Athens this weekend because it could get real, real ugly. Uh, yeah. The spread of this game was, what, 32 points to open or 31 and a half? 32. Um, am I crazy for thinking it should have been more? No, not at all. And, you know, like piggybacking off like what happened last week um, and like in the last game we talked about, I think the line in that Mississippi State-Florida game is closer than it should be because of how both teams played last week. This one is like the opposite. Like this one should be a lot higher, I feel like, even though both teams – I think Tennessee's better than what people – what they showed last week, obviously. Georgia is as well. But, yeah, it probably could have been worse. Yeah, I think this is going to be this is going to be really really tough for Tennessee just to just to hang around because I think Georgia after the game that it played at Mizzou relatively sloppy, did not look that good up front. I think Kirby Smart is going to correct things and make some nice adjustments. We remember how ugly it got in Knoxville last year. Obviously, those are different the best head fan coach. Pictures ever. Oh man. I mean, those some of those pictures, if you just took the, all, the majority of our sad fans' pictures, I bad. feel like were fourth quarter of Tennessee games last year. Like, yeah. I'm not saying just of some, but the vast majority of them were, and I can't believe Yeah, them. and I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wrote uh, in our predictions article this week. Last week I used the analogy of, like, the wrestlers and being in their 60s. That, that Tennessee-Florida game last week, remember that scene from Happy Gilmore when he, like, Shooter McGavin's like, hey, meet us at the uh, ninth green at nine, little little seeker of the pros, and then he shows up and gets all excited, and there's like all this like anticipation, and then... And then he's just wet. Yeah. That's like about the same thing that happened with this like Tennessee Florida game. It's like they had that hype video, hear about mm-hmm. it all week, you're looking forward to it, went and put on your best, best orange and, I don't know, checkerboard, whatever the hell they were, those giant overalls, and you show up and it's just like a prank. It's real bad. It's embarrassed. Real bad. Insecure. Real bad. Yeah. Uh... Co-defensive coordinator Chris Rumpf said uh, this week that Tennessee is an ugly baby right now. Uh, Knoxville Sentinel reported that. All um, babies are ugly, so. Whoa. <laughs> That's a fire take. <laughs> that is a fire take. I'll admit some babies are definitely ugly. Um, the spread, I think, in this game should have been bigger. The only chance that Tennessee has in this game is this. Okay. If Georgia continues to do what all the cool kids are doing these days and dropping the football <laughs> on the goal line before they get into the end zone, get a couple touchdowns called back, Tennessee stays in the game, boom. We have an entertaining SEC East matchup. You heard it here first. I'm just so excited for another 3:30 close game between two evenly matched opponents. Good job, CBS. Yeah, about that. But, you know, uh, moving on from that. <laughs> and, and I feel bad because we've, we've talked – I mean, like – yeah, the sad fans' pictures. We're not trying to, like, just, I don't know, rub salt in the wound with Tennessee fans. So this is a new segment that, that I came up with here. It could be worse. This is pretty much a message just to Tennessee and Arkansas fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be worse. You could be Virginia Tech. 
Yep. Who lost to Old Dominion last week. Old Dominion, who was 0-3. Uh, a country band. Yeah, exactly. Um, they said it was the biggest upset in the last 10 years, according to ESPN FBI. Not only that, they lost to a coach named Jeb. Not Bush, either. No, and that is, like, Jeb is a pretty bad name. Jeb doesn't sound mm. like a name. It sounds like a drunk burp. So Yeah, or, or like a name that was spelled backwards. That yeah. You, then you flip it around, you're like, ah, oh, no, that doesn't work either. Sure, it's like Scrabble, I guess. Um, yeah, so it could be worse. You could be you could be Vatek, and now they got to go play on the road as an underdog to Duke. So, guys, keep your heads up, at least until Saturday. And we'll start this it's gonna process be okay. all over again. It, it could always be worse. Just remember that. You could lose to North Texas by like three. Oh, oh shoot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My fault. Battle That's Royale. Earmuffs Hawk fans. Uh, we do have uh, Arkansas at Arkansas against AM in Arlington this weekend. It is going to be what we think. Uh, well, I think it's going to be a one sided game, but it was a fun game last year. And when there was a fun game last year, I always sell myself on the belief that it can be a fun game the following year. I have talked myself off that because Logic. Arkansas last year at least had some idea what it was doing offensively. Yeah. And in the pre-Kelly Bryant era, we're just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Post-Allen, pre-Bryant. Pre-Bryant. Um, it does not have any idea what it's doing offensively. But Chad Morris is back in Dallas, so that's a fun little storyline. As we know, Chad Morris, yeah. high school, Texas high school coaching god. Um, he returns to Dallas. Fun fact, he's an A&M grad, but he refuses to say so Texas stupid. A&M. That, I hate that. Why? Because, like, that's where you... No, why, like, not why do you hate it. Not yeah. why do you hate it, but why does he refuse to do this? Because it's, that's like the... I, I don't understand, like, it's like when Urban Meyer's like, take all the M's off campus. Better put a put a big old circle with an X over the M's. You know people do that all year round. That is people so like, stupid. How do you spell words? I wouldn't be able to spell my last name. Chris Arler. just don't. Like, George Ta'amu. Ta'amu. <laughs> yeah, I don't... It just makes... Uh, I, I just think that stuff is, like, so cliche. Just say, like... Just talk better trash. I'll teach you. I think that's... Yeah, I think that's the, the key, what this comes down to. Uh, what are the odds that Jerry Jones' grandson, John Stephen Jones, plays in this game? I tell he did you get what, a snap a couple weeks ago. There's so. not or he got a lot three... of things going right in that program, but one of them, the one thing that probably is going right is that check that he writes to them. So you better put him in, <laughs> in Jerry World. <laughs> He's got to get a snap. There's literally snap. no reason not to do it. You're, uh, and it better be a really nice, it better be like a double reverse pass that he catches somehow. Jerry Jones has gotten to that age where you just don't know. Meaning, like, if you heard a headline, a very, you know, every once in a while you hear, like Burt Reynolds, when, when you hear that Burt Reynolds died, you're like, oh, man, how old was Burt Reynolds? And then you look it up and you're like, oh, okay, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Jerry Jones has gotten to that point. I'm not, I'm not calling, so I'm not predicting a, a man's death. Good I'm not Lord. Doing <laughs> I'm not doing that. And just remember, but Chad you know, Morris, you stuck by him when he was in high school. When he lost... 50 pounds, no. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, Chad Morris might not be a bad idea to put Jerry I, Jones' I just, grandson I love, in the I game. love, like, this age and people get, because, like, especially somebody in power, because he just, I mean, like, old people just do whatever they want, and and Jerry Jones definitely does that. Like, I could easily see in, like, right as the fourth quarter starts, like, the lights go out, and he's like, yeah, turn the lights off, I don't care. I told you to put my son in, put my grandson in, John Stephen. You didn't do it, you're not going to play in my house, you go play somewhere else, y'all play in the parking lot if you want to play this game. Better put Can my we make it? 
let's make a my bookie prop bet on the odds that Jerry Jones turns out the lights in the fourth quarter because Arkansas is losing by a lot and he wants to see his grandson in the game. Yeah, or turns his back to the actual field and watches a different game <laughs> in the suite that's on the TV. And it's just like drunk, crushing chicken tenders with some like 23-year-old blonde. Fun fact, uh, Nebraska uh, athletic director-to-be Bill Moose last year, or no, not to be, he was the athletic director at the time. He watched Scott Frost's last game uh, while the while Nebraska was playing Iowa in his luxury box. Was like, I'm going to flip on uh, UCF because that's more entertaining than watching Nebraska lose like 55-10 to 10 to Iowa at home. Yeah, but, they're doing great now. So Yeah, about that. So... Uh, that that I think has potential to at least be the fun one because of the the Jerry Jones yeah. uh, turning out the lights thing. Uh, another potential fun game in the SEC in Death Valley. We get a home SEC night game at LSU, which is always a good time. Ole Miss LSU. I'd be a little bit more excited about this game if Ole Miss had actually put up <laughs> some points against Bama or Kent State. Well, they put up thirty eight after a rain a delay. three rain delays. Jordan, um, our guy, JT, threw for over 400 yards, and that's all that matters as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that is true. There you go. Yeah, Um, it might be weird. I don't don't really understand it because, like, on paper, I mean, I get LSU struggles offensively, but, man, like, slump buster. What a slump buster. That's just right in your wheelhouse. Ole Miss's defense, giving up 505 yards per game. Yeah, SIU put up 41 in Oxford. LSU at home. I know that maybe part of this is because the offensive line's a bit banged up. They they're going to be without Garrett Brumfeld. They're, they're, they've got a, a host of injuries up front. Maybe the the belief that I don't know the, the LSU offense just can't really get much going early on. I, that's the only thing I can think of as to why the spread is only twelve points. I honestly I honestly feel like Coach O is getting his offensive lineman hurt on purpose so we can get closer and closer to him actually going into a game, like inserting himself into a game in the third quarter. Which is Does what he we still all have eligibility left? I don't who cares? There's no, like if 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 Ed Orgeron, helmet or no helmet, was like, Alright, we're gonna win the game. Like they called a timeout and then they came out of the, like the huddle and he lined up at center. There's not a single person like, no, no, coach, you can't do that. Every single person be like, yep, here for it, blow the whistle, let's yep. do this, start the clock. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that that definitely happen, happening if uh, LSU uh, can't get healthy up front. But uh, not to discount NWO or anything like that, the Ole Miss receivers who are tremendously talented, and we got a good reminder of that yeah. this past week. But, you know, A.J. Brown's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue, and, and JT is dealing with a shoulder issue. So, you know, that LSU defense, in my opinion, is going to be able to dominate Ole Miss up front. And that front seven is going to its going to be a very one-sided matchup, yeah. in my opinion. Much like it was against Alabama when JT was pressured. And he right. just did not have the time necessarily to make those throws and to get the ball to the outside to those skill players. And I think it means a lot to Ordron. They said earlier this week that he was not allowing anyone at interviews all week or on campus to say Ole Miss, Mississippi, shark, uh, <laughs> psychology, a lot of other words just in general that he just doesn't like to say because they're tough, tough to pronounce. But, yeah, so he's, like, pretty fired up. You're going to have the great post-game talk. We know that. If, if we get off to the sleepy start. Well, yeah, pre-game. Yeah, pre-game, halftime speech, whatever. Uh, we know that we can rely on you for, for the little pep talk. SIU put up 41 in Oxford. So how many does LSU put up against that Ole Miss defense in Death Valley? Less. Really? Mm-hmm. Shout out, shout out to SIU. Yeah, third best team in the SC West. 
Salukis, man. We did a great interview with Luke Del Rio. We hit on a ton of different topics. We talked. We I realized last time when we interviewed him a few weeks ago, we didn't really talk about like the current state of college football or anything. <laughs> we had so many other things to get to that was entertaining with him. But um, we got to talk about the state of Florida, the, the Gators specifically. Um, we, he, he even listed a surprise uh, candidate for most overrated quarterback in the SEC. And he also had a. Yeah, oh yeah, he had a fire take on a certain actor who he is not a fan of, apparently, um, which was news to me. But anyways, uh, he also had a little fun Alabama story at the very, very end. You're definitely going to want to stick around for that. So without further ado, here is our best friend, former Gator quarterback, Luke Del Rio. We're excited to be joined by a very, very special guest, a repeat guest, actually. He is the former Florida quarterback, Luke Del Rio. You can catch him on The Dropback, which is now on iTunes, and it's broadcast live on Twitter and YouTube four times a week. You can follow Luke on Twitter at LDelRio12. He is a tremendous, tremendous follow on Twitter for all things football, football gambling, all that stuff. Luke, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Thank you guys for having me back on. I love coming on a couple weeks back, and I'm excited to do it again. Yeah, you know, we we kind of Marler and I were kind of saying to each other after we're like, we got so much good biographical stuff about you that we didn't even really talk a whole lot of current SEC stuff with Florida and with quarterbacks and stuff. So that's kind of what we wanted to dig into today. So uh, let's start with your bread and butter, and that is Florida. You, I know you're watching that game this past weekend. Uh, coming off the, the Tennessee win, and now we're four weeks into this thing, we've kind of had a little bit of a bigger sample size for the Dan, Mull, the Dan Mullen era. What's your take overall on Florida right now? Yeah, you know, everybody sees that, that score against Tennessee, you know, 47-21. to 21. It's the most points that Florida has ever scored at Neyland Stadium. Um, but that, that game was more about Tennessee just absolutely imploding from start to finish. They played terrible. I mean, as bad as you can play in the first half, they did it. They had six turnovers in the game. It was much more about Tennessee than it was about Florida. Um, our defense looked good, but, but look, it's, it's kind of more of the same from our offense. It's an inconsistent passing game. We live and die with the offensive line like every team does. And when that unit is inconsistent – the entire offense is going to be inconsistent, which is what we have seen so far. Let's let's talk Felipe Franks because he's a guy that you spent a lot of time with. Uh, it's been sort of an up and down start with him, the Dan Mullen era. He's had some good moments, uh, and if you look just look at kind of the raw numbers, you'd be like, all right, you know, this is a guy who's making those next steps. But you, you kind of hinted at it right there. What have you seen maybe from him in this up and down start that has been kind of your big takeaway from from his play? Yeah, you know, if you just look at his stats, you know, on, on paper, you would think he's having a phenomenal year. He's tied with Tua uh, Tagovailoa from Alabama for first and touchdowns thrown in the SEC with 12. And But if you've watched them, you can kind of tell they're not the same guy. You watch Tua, every single play he's a threat to score. You watch Felipe, you know, he's missing a lot of open guys. A lot of the touchdowns that he has thrown are either – short throws that the wide receiver has made a play or the running back has made a play, or it's been kind of a prayer ball where the wideout has won. I haven't seen him throw a lot of guys open. And I just think his inconsistency in getting completions, look, he's only completing 52% of his passes. That is not enough, especially if you're only throwing the ball 15 to 20 times a game, which is a good recipe for success in the Dan Mullen offense. 
if you're only throwing it that many times, you have to be completing 65, 70%. Because look, almost half of those, th- almost half of those throws every week are, are gimmies. They're screens, they're short throws, they're play action dump off. I mean, the first touchdown last week against uh, Tennessee was a little play action. It was actually Spider 2 wide banana for those of you that are like Gruden fans. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it was that play. And he, he throws it to a guy that's actually going to be my best man in my wedding, R.J. Raymond, the fullback in the flat. And it was like a terrible throw. And thank God R.J. is like a very average athlete, but above average hand. He made a good catch. But, like, things like that. Like, look, it should be an easy throw. He's wide open. You don't really have anybody right in your face. You're six foot six. It shouldn't even be a, a contest to whether you can throw it over the guy or not. So, um, things like that. That that one play right there was kind of a microcosm of what we have seen so far this season from Felipe. You bring up some good points just about the, the offense. And I know that uh, Florida fans want to see that big marquee win. That'll kind of make them feel good about the Dan Mullen era. And I think... You know, sipping the Kool-Aid a little bit after Tennessee, and rightfully so. I mean, it's a rivalry game on the road, you win. But I think, I think Starkville is going to be a different kind of test for Florida. What chances are you giving Florida to go into Starkville in Dan Mullen's return and to win that game against a Mississippi State team that's coming off of, obviously, the tough loss to Kentucky? You know, I, to be honest, I think we're going to get beat. I think we're going to get beat by a touchdown to, to 10-ish points for, for several reasons. I think Mississippi State is a better team right now, talent-wise. Uh, they just got kind of manhandled by a good Kentucky team. You know, when, when Florida lost to Kentucky, everybody, including myself, was like, are you kidding me? We just lost to Kentucky? But they've proven that they're a physical, dominant-running um, offense and, and, a, and a physical defense that does, you know, has a lot of experience and doesn't give up very many easy plays where, you know, ironically, last year they gave us two free touchdowns. So um, they've kind of turned the corner. Mississippi State went in there kind of thinking that they were all that, drinking the Kool-Aid themselves, and they got punched in the mouth. Now you play pretty much the entire coaching staff that you had last year, and you're pissed off at them for leaving what, you know, they view as a, as a worse program than Mississippi State. Like, we can all agree Florida is a better program than Mississippi State, but past five years, Mississippi State has had way more success in a tougher side of the division. So um, I got Mississippi State because it's a home game. It's at night. Those cowbells, which I don't know how they're legal because that's a noisemaker, are going to be going absolutely nuts. It's one of the loudest stadiums I've been in just because of the, the cowbells. Like, the actual fans screaming, it's not that loud. But the cowbells are deafening. And uh, those players will want to prove something. However, I don't know how much of an impact Dan Mullen and this coaching staff knowing that personnel and how, you know, their tendencies and all that is going to affect the game. It should be a really good game, but I got Mississippi State. So piggybacking off the Mississippi State comments, ultimately for the season, what will be a bigger test and a bigger proving ground for this team for Florida, the Mississippi State game or LSU? Uh, I think LSU. You know, this past week they kind of played down to – I think they played La Tech. Everybody kind of knew that that was going to be a trap game. Joe Burrow apparently played really bad. I haven't seen uh, the tape of that game, but they compared Danny Etling's stats to his. Uh, Danny's first three games last year compared to Joe's first three games this year. Danny Etling's stats are actually better, and everybody couldn't stand Danny Etling because I guess he was just boring. And, you know, look, 
that offense that they run, it's hard to be successful in because you have to hit those chunk plays when they call it. It's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys offense. It's so run-centric and physical that when you do take your chances, when you take those shots, you have to hit them or you're going to end up completing 49% of your passes like Joe Burrow did. Um, I would say LSU is a, is a bigger game for Florida. It's a bigger rivalry. Look, we don't, we don't really care about Mississippi State. Who really does outside of the SEC West when you play them? And then the Egg Bowl, which is like the grossest name for a rivalry game. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Mississippi State will be a big game because of the coaching staff, but, you know, we, we don't really have any built-in animosity. LSU is a great game every year regardless of record. For some reason, we always play close with them, so I'm looking forward to that game. I mean, what can you say about Starkville that already hasn't been said in a Kmart Yelp review? So, um, moving on from that, I think we both, I think we'd all agree that the two the elite teams in the SEC are Georgia and Alabama. That being said, who do you think is the second best team in each division or has a chance to upset either of them to get to Atlanta? That's a good question. You know, I, I think it has to be Kentucky in the East. You know, they've, I mean, look at the East. It's not a very good division, as we know. Um, the past five, ten years, it, it has been pretty down. Um, whereas before, it was it was pretty dominant with the Florida teams that you know Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer had rolling. But it's got to be Kentucky because you know Vanderbilt. They're kind of up and down. There's only so much you can do with the talent that you have at Vanderbilt. South Carolina is like the little brother that you know says they want to play with the big boys, but they never can quite do it. Um, Florida, I think, is, is still a year away. I think we're probably the third best team behind Kentucky. And uh, Tennessee's a dumpster fire, so I'm not even going to talk about them. <laughs> and then in the West, I have to go with Auburn. You know, they've kind of flown under the radar. They lost to LSU, obviously, but they have a really good win against a solid Washington team in Atlanta. I think Washington gave them all that they could handle, and uh, they played well. You know, I-, I can look past that one loss. It was a great game. Like, that, that LSU-Auburn game is the definition of a 3.30 CBS SEC game. I mean, physical, close to the end, and, of course, we're relying on a kicker to make a kick. And, oh, my God, he actually made one. It's like the first time an SEC kicker hasn't <laughs> let down the entire fan base. So uh, I, got, I got Auburn and uh, Kentucky. That was really good insight outside the kicking thing, which just feels like salt in the wound for me. Um, but... Uh, Moving on to nationally, I, I mean, I, there's no way we can get to the interview without me talking about gambling. I know you talk about gambling as well, like on, on Twitter and on the podcast. Uh, what non-SEC school do you think is the biggest threat to win the national championship? Um, you know, it, it, the SEC is so strong this year, and, and it usually is, I think, the best conference. And, and then the ACC was kind of, you know, creeping up, and, and boy, has that gone away. I mean, it's a joke this year, the <laughs> ACC. And then the Big Ten kind of started to get rolling with Michigan and Harbaugh, uh, except they lose every big game. And then Ohio State's been rolling, been in the playoff a couple times, and Wisconsin as well. But they're having a down year too. You know, Wisconsin loses to BYU. So um, the Pac-12 is not very good. They have Washington and Stanford, who I think are pretty similarly talented. I think a playoff team from the SEC or Clemson would beat them down pretty badly. So I would go with Clemson as kind of the non-SEC team to look out for. Their D-line and O-line look very similar to Alabama and Georgia. Thick, strong, physical line. And I think Trevor Lawrence is special for a freshman, for, for any year, really. I mean, he's 
all of six foot six and has freakish arm talent. You guys know I'm not about, you know, these athletes playing quarterback. I think he is a athletic quarterback, not an athlete playing quarterback. And that's a big right. difference. Kelly Bryant to me was an athlete playing quarterback. That's what Brandon Wimbush is. Um, so I, I'm really excited to get to see him and, you know, full game action. I know he started last week against Georgia Tech, but let's be honest, who wants to watch a Georgia Tech football game? So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited to see them moving forward and how they kind of mesh with the, the quarterback situation. Because as long as that's going on, like the rest of the team is like, man, I wish we could just get in a rhythm with whoever our starter is. At some point, the quarterbacks get over it too. It's like, look, I don't, I don't care who's the starter. Just name one. Like I hate going back and forth. It's miserable, uh, but they haven't figured out, so I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, let's let's stick with quarterbacks because that's you bring up a, a lot of great points. I think, and even you know, even though it bothered me and I got triggered on Twitter by the fact that you called Mitch Trubisky an athlete playing quarterback, which I don't totally disagree with, but just as a Bears fan, that's hard to hear. Um, you know, get, let's talk overrated quarterbacks in the SEC. Who is, in, in your opinion, just from national per- perception, you've seen, you've been inside the locker room, you've seen what it's like, you know, when you go to a visiting venue and stuff like that, you've now seen on the other side what it's like when we sit here and we talk about these guys all week. I'll start off, who's your most overrated quarterback in the SEC? That's an easy answer, Drew Locke. Drew Locke from Missouri is, is insanely Ooh. overrated. Um, wow. Okay. I, mean, I mean, insanely overrated. People are looking at him because he's six foot four and 200 whatever pounds and was an athlete in high school. Okay. First of all, if you're playing division one football, you were a good athlete in high school. You played multiple sports and you were good at every sport you played. So that's not impressive to me like at all. Um, and he's six foot four. So no duh, he's going to be good at basketball. Um, as far as him as a player, I just don't see it. I don't see the consistency. Look, he played much better than his box score indicates against Georgia, but against, uh, SEC teams with a winning conference record before the game against Georgia this past week, he was 0-5, completed 49% of his balls. That's exactly what he did this week, this past week. He lost the game, so now he's 0-6, and he completed under 50% of his passes. So I understand the pick went off the guy's face mask, and, and that, was, that was a bad play, really unlucky play. Um, but that's one play. You know, it's not like the entire game was that. So – just haven't been impressed with him. He looks like more of a project um, than a prospect. And um, I, I don't think Prom played all that well, but he did bounce back. And, look, he's still young. People forget. It feels like he's been in college for three or four years already. He's 19. So Drew Locke is 22, 23. So uh, I'm excited to see Tua and Prom and all these young guys continue to develop. Um, I, I think uh, – we have a really good conference for quarterbacks right now when in the past we've been known as kind of a, a lackluster conference for quarterbacks. Luke, the fact that you just repeated my stat about Drew Locke that I threw out <laughs> before that game last week just makes my heart tingle. So I, 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 I do uh, want to thank you for that. That, that means, and I have nothing uh, that means in front everything. of me. How about that? I'm, That's I'm, even I'm more impressive. Right now. I have nothing in front of me. I know. I know. This sucks, I know. guys. Oh Dang, yeah. Okay, so that's Drew Locke, most overrated quarterback. I'm sure nobody will disagree with you whatsoever, and that'll be totally a consensus opinion. Uh, maybe you're going to get some resistance. You're definitely going to get some resistance. Let's. Who's the most underrated yeah, from, quarterback from in the, the 12, SEC? From the 12 Missouri fans out there, they're going to be like, hey, don't talk bad about a quarterback. Um, the Coming most underrated hot. quarterback, <laughs> hey, hey, you have to. You have to ruffle some feathers. Um, most underrated quarterback, 
and the SEC. You know, I, I would say Fitzgerald, but, man, he really struggled last week. I turned it on. I was going back and forth from that beat down in uh, Tennessee to the Kentucky game because I had money on Mississippi State to cover. And I saw some throws that, I mean, it looked like the ball slipped out of his hands. But he's six foot five, so I don't buy that it slipped out of his hands. He's got big hands. It's not like the ball is falling out of his hands. Um, just a complete lack of control over the ball and body language. He, he kind of goes back to my knock on Felipe is when things are good, he's good. When things are bad, he's nowhere to be found. And that's a huge problem with young, immature quarterbacks that don't realize, look, everybody's looking at you. Even the coaches are looking at you. If you start freaking out or pouting, you're affecting everybody else. So, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody that's really underrated right now because I, I would say Fitzgerald, but that happened. I think Fromm uh, gets the respect that he deserves. Same with Tua. Uh, maybe Jared Stidham as an NFL prospect, but he's been a little up and down this year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that one. Let's let's stick with Stidham. What's wrong with this with him and the Auburn offense right now? Because he comes in with with the Heisman talk, and I, I'm you know I'm still more of a believer I think than than others are in him. But the numbers just through four games have not been very good. Three touchdown passes. The offense is averaging something like 23 points per game against FBS competition. Just has not been the Auburn offense that we thought it would be. It, based on what you've seen and, and maybe even heard from them, what exactly is wrong with with Auburn's offense right now? Well, first of all, I don't think he fits that offense, like at all. I think that offense is perfect for Kentucky's quarterback, is perfect for uh, Nick Fitzgerald, is perfect for Nick Marshall, fast guys that not, you know, aren't necessarily great throwers of the football, but can do it good enough. You know, they've kind of turned Jared Stidham, who's a pocket guy that can move, into a guy that, hey, we're going to need you to run around a lot and also be able to complete these bombs when we call them. So I know a big part of him coming back this year was he had a serious sit-down discussion with uh, their head coach, Gus Malzahn, and said, look, if I come back, then things need to change. I, I, I need to be able to play like I'm going to play in the NFL. And apparently they agreed because he did come back. Um, but I haven't seen that. They've been running the same kind of gadget offense where, you know, they, they mix up the backfield sets every single play. And I think they need to simplify and find what they're good at and focus on that. I, I would assume right now that at this point that Tua is your best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, based on what we've seen from him so far, I know it's still a relatively small sample size, but how special is he and how many Heismans is he going to win? Uh, <laughs> well, he's, he's incredible. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Hey, your horn work. Um, hold on, I'm going to let this pass because this guy looks like he wants to honk one more time. Okay, so as far as Tua is concerned, you know, he's not that big of a guy. People, people see his stats and they see how thick he is and they assume he's 6'3", 6'4", 220. He's not that big. He's like six foot, 215. He's got a chunky build. He's fast enough. His vision and his quick release are what separate him. The way he can see the field and layer the ball and how efficient he is is so impressive. And last week was the first time that I saw him show, like, any emotion because he actually finally faced some adversity. You know, in the Georgia game, he was thrown in there, and he was just reacting. He wasn't, he, he wasn't the starter in the game plan, you know, game playing uh, that entire week or two weeks before the game. He was the backup, and when he went in, it was like, hey, if you do anything good, that's good. If you do anything bad, then that's just more of the same, and it's not your fault. He's finally the guy. He finally has expectations on him. And I saw him lose his cool a little bit, which is fine, because I thought that he was a robot before that, and especially the way he plays. But – 
you know, they, they came out one series and they ran the ball on first down and then they threw this little gadget play on second down and then they did, did a, a, a screen or something on third down. And he came off the field <clears throat> and I remember he said, why are we running the ball on first down? I'm like, damn, Tua, okay. Like, I would say that too if I had your staff. But, you know, everybody everybody looks at him as like this, oh, super quiet, so humble Hawaiian. Like, yeah, you can be humble and still have some fire about you. I love seeing that. I think he's a tremendous player. I think he'll win one Heisman because as soon as you win a Heisman, you have to, like, almost double your staff to win the next year. Johnny Manziel, Lamar Jackson both had superior years the year after they won the Heisman, and no one was talking about them. It's kind of like, look, they already won it. Can we, can we move on a little bit? So um, the biggest knock about him is they're beating teams so bad that he's not going to have the same stats as everybody else. The efficiency that he has needs to be recognized and appreciated. But if you play the first half of 90% of your games, you're not going to have the same stats as Will Greer or Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. You know, it's just – they're just playing more downs than you. Yeah, you bring up a lot of great points about that, and I think that's something that we're going to continue to look at, just the efficiency numbers, how Heisman voters look at that and all that stuff. The other Alabama quarterback who's still in town as of right now, Jalen Hurts. Obviously, everybody's talking about him. You've been a backup quarterback at Alabama before. You've transferred before. What would you do if you were in Jalen Hurts' position right now? Well, personally, you know, my, my skill set's very different than Jalen. I think he wants to stay a quarterback in the NFL when he goes there. He doesn't want to become a running back, even though I think he's basically a running back that, that tries to throw the ball. Um, I'm not going to say he does throw the ball, because some of the throws he makes, I'm like, dear Lord, who are you looking at? Um, <clears throat> but if he was going to redshirt and leave and have two years, then he would not have played in the FC, uh, Arkansas State, I think the second game that they played, he wouldn't have played in that game. So I think he's going to stay and he's going to stay and get the coaching that he can from this amazing staff and throwing to these five-star wide receivers and then transfer and play for one year somewhere else. But he's not going to play while he's there because two is there. And then keep an eye out for Mac Jones, their third stringer. He can swing the ball. And he doesn't have the mobility that Tua does, but he can throw it just as good as far as, arm talent. I'm not, I'm not saying vision-wise and decision-making, but as far as throwing the ball, Mac Jones is the same age as Tua, but he redshirted. Keep an eye out for him in two years. We, we've, got a, we've got a few different things that, that we're going to get to here. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some quarterbacks, uh, ask you some questions about a certain guy named Jordan, um, not Michael Jordan, um, <laughs> very far from that. And uh, we're going to talk about some rankings. So Marler's got like a 10-pack of family feud questions here, uh, kind of rapid-fire type stuff that we'll get you out with. All right, so it's a little rapid-fire questions, and the theme is going to be, like we said, quarterbacks, the name Jordan, and rankings. So are you ready? First question, what's the best season of The Bachelor? <laughs> I've only seen one, and I don't even remember who the guy was. No, I do. Uh, it, was, it was two years ago, the older guy with the, with the gray hair. Um, Ar- what was his name? Arnie? I actually, I missed that one too. <laughs> but but that, was, that was the only one that I've seen, and I'll, I'll go with that one. Second question, what's the best job for Jake Fromm to get once he inevitably does not get drafted? <laughs> God, there's just there's just so much. Oh my! I don't even know where to begin on this asinine question. 
he will get drafted. <laughs> but um, he looks like he wants to be like a professional bass fisherman. So, so maybe he'll give a, a go at that. Mm, insurance sales was the correct answer. Uh, what should Kyle Shermer buy with his uh, buy first with his giant NFL signing bonus? <laughs> These are brutal. <laughs> it's like body bag after body bag. Uh, he should probably buy. He should probably buy a half decent offensive line for Vanderbilt. Okay, best hair product on the market. Um, Paul Mitchell clay. It's what I use, and it's. God, it's, I mean, if you've seen my hair, you would agree. It's beautiful. I could say that, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to Jordan. Better Michael Jordan movie, Space Jam or Black Panther? Space Jam. Very good answer. I don't think uh, Michael coolest... B. Jordan is that good of an actor. It's not, it's Ooh, not popular opinion. I, I, didn't, I do not think he's that good of an actor. I think he's basically like the black Channing Tatum, but we hide everything <laughs> else to make it political. Okay. All right, moving on. Cool, coolest older brother ever. Oh, it's just open like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, a, this is easy, so I'll knock it out of the park. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, probably. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, worst little brother ever. <laughs> um, Eli Manning. Ooh, I said Rick Moranis from Little Giants. Got to get that Little Giants reference in there. Uh, two questions so left. Obscure. How many? Okay, this is this is a personal one. How much money are you spending on flowers for your wedding? Because my this is settle an argument for me and my fiance. Just tell me how much is too much. First of all, I didn't even know flowers were this expensive. So we're Thank actually you. in the middle of trying to decide how much we want to spend on it. And I was, I threw out something like I hadn't even looked at the prices, and I was like, yeah, like you know, two hundred bucks should do it. And she was what? like, yeah, add a zero, add a zero to that, and you're kind of close. I was like, what? Well, what, yeah. are, they, are they made of diamonds? Like, what, what are you talking about? So I guess flowers are expensive when there's a wedding going on. But um, I, I don't know. We haven't decided yet. What, what are you thinking? She said like four grand. Just another reason why Oregon is just, ugh, ugh. Yeah, uh, that, that seems pretty high. But hey, it's her day, I guess. She's the best, and she's going to listen to this. So um, the last question, what is the best untold Coach Mack or Coach Saban story you got? Uh, let me think. Hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to retell some. I told a good yeehaw story, and it's not really a Coach Mack or a Coach Saban story, but it did originate at Alabama. So there was a game that that AJ McCarron used to play in the quarterback room. Uh, it's called yeehaw, and basically starting with the oldest, which was AJ, going down to the youngest, which was, I think, me at the time, you say yeehaw and you get progressively louder. So the next person has to say it louder than the, than the other one. And people say, okay, well, what's the catch? Well, the catch is you have to do all this in a meeting while the coach is coaching. <laughs> and whoever gets caught loses. So we're in a quarterback meeting. We're in a quarterback meeting and there's seven of us, right? And so – AJ starts it out and, like, barely says it. You know, it's like a whisper, like, yeehaw. I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. Well, Blake Sims goes, and he kind of mixes it into something he sang. So Coach Nuss was like, hey, Blake, what were you thinking here? Oh, I was just going one to two to yeehaw to three. I'm like, oh, that was a lot louder. So Alec Morse goes, and, and 
you know, gets by with it. And then Cooper Bateman is up. Cooper Bateman was a freshman, highly recruited guy, same age as me. And Cooper's trying to say it while Coach Nuts is saying it, because at this point it has to be like a yeehaw, pretty loud, like pretty loud. And, and he's, he's listening to Coach Nuts talk, and we can kind of tell he's like in the middle of the, like a, a rant he's going on. So we're all thinking, okay, this is the perfect time to do it. And abruptly, Coach Nuff stops talking. And you could tell Cooper was ready to say it. And he just belts out a, yeehaw! And Nuff was like, what? <laughs> what the hell did you just say? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. He's like, do you want to say it again? He's like, please don't make me. So <laughs> Cooper lost that day. And uh, Austin Appleby and I continued it at Florida, but um, he, Coach Nuts finally caught on. He's like, stop playing that, that yeehaw. You know, I'm going to keep it PG game. Stop playing that game uh, in the meeting. So, you know, it was fun. It's a fun way to kind of lighten up an otherwise monotonous meeting. Oh, gosh. That's good. That's, that's really good. Really Look, good. We, we really appreciate the time. Uh, if, if you aren't already, make sure you're following Luke on Twitter. It's at LDelRio12. Make sure you're watching the dropback uh, four times a week. You're up to four times a week now, right? Four times a week. That's right. Every other day I, I plan my script, and then I'm either planning or I'm doing a show that day. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday at noon to recap the college football games that we saw the day before. Grinding. We, we love it. Luke, we, we appreciate you coming on. We'll have you on sometime uh, in the very, very new, near future. Uh, enjoy week five. Thank you, guys. Had a blast. Enjoy the weekend. Really, really appreciate Luke joining us. Uh, I, I love the fact that you get so many of these former players who talk, and it's all player this and all player that. Luke doesn't talk like that, and you can tell it's different. He's so he's he doesn't have any biases. He's so transparent. He's a really easy guy to talk to, and he's our best friend. <laughs> All of those things are, are real and true. Yeah, now, that was one of my favorite interviews of the year. That was awesome. Yeah, that was absolutely tremendous stuff. He's going to be joining us on a pretty regular basis during the season. Uh, and like I said, uh, you can also check him out on the Dropback, yeah. which is gets even more Luke Del Rio fire takes. So. Uh, you you could also see gambling from from yeah. Luke Del Rio. You could see gambling from us as well. Uncle Chris, why don't you tell us about what we got coming up in week five? All right, all right, guys. Here we go. You know what time it is every single week. Gambling time with Uncle Chris. Time to loosen up a little bit here. Uh, we talked about it last week. We talked about it every week. Go to our friends at mybookie.com. Making a deposit today if you already haven't. I don't know why you haven't. We talk about it literally every single week. What's the record now, Connor? A billion and zero. I think it's actually 50 and, what is it? 50 and 20? Yes, it's 50 and 20 on the year. I'm not a math major, but that's really good. That's really good. That is really good. No, it's, I'm sorry, it's 45 and 20. 45 and 20 in the year. Either Still way, making, making money. you money. So make sure you go to mybookie.com today. Use the promo code SDS, and they will match your initial deposit up to 100%. Then, if you want to do it all over again, after 7 p.m., when the sun goes down, your favorite Kenny Chesney song, here we go. Love it. Don't they, forget Uncle Cracker's in that song, too. You know what? I think everyone wanted to forget that he was in that song. I know. That's so. true. That's a good point. <laughs> you know what? Let's just start the whole podcast over. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. Uncle Cracker got a mention, and that... We'll, this we'll is Uncle Chris's time. Uncle Sorry, Cracker's time will Wrong never uncle. be his time ever in, in life, especially right. on this podcast. 
I don't want to look. Just face the other way. <laughs> anyway, after 7 o'clock, when the sun goes down uh, and you'll be grooving, head on over to my bookie. Uh, they will match your initial deposit up to 100% and give you an extra $25. You know what you can do with extra $25, Connor? You can buy a Bond Dutch hat. You could buy, buy an Uncle leather wristbands. You can look just like Uncle Cracker. You could spike your hair. Also, I'm pretty sure the guy from Smash Mouth and Uncle Cracker are the same exact person. I was going to say well, that. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. And Guy, F- Guy Fietti, they're all the same Fieri. breed of human. No, it's Fietti. It's Fietti. Oh, my God. Fieri is like the American pronunciation. Oh, yeah. You want to say the fancy one for the guy I with, the, say with the, the fancy blonde one. goatee and the visor it's, and it always says... Flavortown, you want to fancy his name up? I'd eat that off a truck tire. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> We're moving on. Um, oh man. Anyway, on to the week five games. Now that you've broken my spirit, uh, we are gonna go through week five. We had seven SEC games. Man, I just I, like I can't believe we I'm, went. We we referenced Uncle Cracker and Guy Fieri in the don't same. Say, I don't like that you said we first off because it was not. I have almost <laughs> the entire script written out, and you. It literally says Uncle Chris is gambling, and you threw out Uncle Cracker. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Any kid rock songs you want to bring up real quick? My name is Chris. Here we go. Week five. Moving in. Coming in hot. Up first at noon, eleven o'clock central. Your brunch with Bama, Louisiana. Raging Cajuns, uh, wake up early, head to Tuscaloosa. They're a 48-point underdog. Who you taking? I'm taking the points. I'm taking Louisiana, and here's why. So Saban has been saying all week he needs negativity. He went on the SEC coaches teleconference and said, he corrected someone who pointed out how efficient the offense was and was like, we're only third in the SEC in offense. So my thinking is that Saban you know, little little message to his guys. Doesn't want to light up the scoreboard right. in the same way that he usually does. Not going to get into the 60s. He's going to keep it, you know, high 40s, something like that, so it's comfortable. They win like 49 to 10, but they don't cover in this game. Even though, yes, Mississippi State did beat Louisiana by 46. That's why the spread is 48 for this game. Yep. But I think Bama doesn't cover because Saban. Okay, I would also say because Billy Napier, who's the head coach at Louisiana, was a former assistant under Saban, and he probably feels bad for what they're about to do to them. Um, that being said, yeah, I like everything you're saying. I brought that up in week two when they played Arkansas State. I, those get-back games, I feel like he kind of does it on purpose. However, Arkansas However. State is a much better team than Louisiana. Louisiana is currently giving up, let's see here, I got the stats in front of me, 34 points a game. You know they've played so far? I get they played Mississippi State. They rank, they rank 106th in total defense and 116th in, or 121st in rushing defense. Two of the three teams they played were Grambling and Coastal Carolina. They lost at home to Coastal Carolina. Uh, Arkansas State was better. Bama beat them by 50. I'm assuming Saban will do the same thing. Um, yeah, so that's I, I think they're going to cover. And I'll tell you one I'll, thing. Another bold prediction here. I'll tell you one song I bet Saban doesn't like. You make me smile, Uncle Cracker. Moving on. Here we go. <laughs> uh, that, that was too much for the Uncle Cracker reference? Oh, no, that's not enough. That's, that's a catchy little song. It's not that bad. It's oh, my bad. God. Okay, moving on. I'm dying inside. Uh, another 12 o'clock game, Jerry Jones Bowl, Arkansas versus Texas A&M. A&M is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take A&M, and I think that based on what we've seen from Kellen Mond, this should be a defense that he should absolutely light up. I think he runs all over them. This is one of those games where he ends with, like, 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards. It gets out of hand um, probably like midway through the third quarter, something like that. 
Uh, I know Arkansas's defense played well against Auburn, had the special teams miscues, but yeah, give me A&M kind of doing whatever it wants uh, offensively in this one. So A&M is coming into this game, um, they're 2-2, two and two, and they dropped out of the top 25 in the AP poll. They also moved to number one in the moral victory poll, according to all their fans. Um, so they're 4-0 against the spread. Arkansas is 0-3 against the spread. I feel like I'm going to fade both of those things and assume that they have to change at some point because Arkansas looked better last week. I got, like, roasted on Instagram for the emojis about, like, what I did, like, the poop emoji for Arkansas. And they are like, we look better this week. And I was like, I honestly didn't watch that much. What was the score? 31-3. to It was 34-3. to 34-3. Right. There you go. Um... Crap, I just realized I put the wrong score in the article today. Good. Uh, anyway, 34-3. They did look better. They outgained uh, Auburn in total yards. This game has been like within single digits of each other, I guess, for the last four out of the past five years. I think that trend probably continues, even though A&M will win. Shout out to the Arkansas Democrat, Democrat Gazette columnist who wrote that Auburn was uh, should have been beat by Arkansas the other day. Typical and, Democrat, uh, dude. Arkansas was the the better team, so um, news to me. But yeah, no, I'll take. I think okay. So also, please no one take that Democrat comment seriously. Moving on from Knox (laughs) Vegas to Ath Vegas, the classic city between the hedges. Um, Tennessee goes to Georgia. They are a thirty-one and a half point underdog. I do not think we will see a hobnail boot unless it is taken off by a Tennessee fan and hits him own self in the face. Boom, roasted. What do you got? Give me the Dows. Justin Fields plays a ton in this game. They keep their foot on the gas. Uh, Tennessee team that couldn't seem to get out of its own way last week. Uh, we saw what happens against the Georgia defense when you just continuously make mistakes. Thanks, Mizzou, for that. The refs uh, I help think, block downfield and they get all the calls? Oh, yeah, I mean, that too. But, you know, pl- punts blocked and stuff like that probably doesn't help. Somebody but. just yelled at their steering wheel after that comment I just made. Definitely did. Uh, give me give me Georgia to win that game by at least five touchdowns. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with it per se. I do think it helps a lot that Georgia's coming in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they have some things to improve upon. The seven penalties last week. Kirby, Kirby Smart, you know what? You know what he said about that? That's dumb. <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah, I don't like the hook on here. Call me Blues Traveler because I don't like that at all. So 31 and a half. I don't like. I think Tennessee covers in like the most bless your heart backdoor cover way possible um, with like 30 seconds to go in the in the fourth quarter. Moving on, Southern Miss, Golden Eagles, flying high to get, dang it, Chris, to face the War Eagles. You like Southern oh, or War better? Trick question, uh, both. Go. Give me, give me Southern Miss to cover 20... 20- 27 seems high. Um, they're, right now, Southern Miss is in the top 10 in total defense and scoring defense. So Right now, Southern Miss is the 109th ranked team in the country on the ESPN Power Rankings. But go uh, on. ESPN Power Rankings don't mean anything because Old Dominion, so just throwing that Very out there. Very true. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Auburn, is, is this who Auburn is? Is Auburn good? I, offensively, I just think that they've got a long ways to go. I think their offensive line is not... I mean, as you brought up all offseason, I think they're going to have a tough time yeah. starting out. I think we're still trying to figure out what this running game looks like. I mean, they, they did not look good running the ball last week either. Um, I mean, this is a game that they should win comfortably, but 27 just feels like a lot for how many, how much, you know, they, they've only put up, what, 23 points a game against FBS right. teams so far. Nothing's just been not feeling great about it. It's like my waistline yeah. after Thanksgiving, you know what I mean? Nothing's comfortable. Anyway, Southern Miss attempts 37 passes a game. 
they do have a very highly ranked offense, um, and they haven't let, given up that many points. However, if you're throwing the ball 37 times a game, that does not bode well when you face a defense like this that can get after the passer. I think I would assume they will fix the problems on offense, and they will win by four touchdowns. Or, yeah. you ready for this? First hot take, bold take, whatever you want to call it, of the weekend, Auburn tanks the rest of the season so they can get the first overall pick in the initial college football free agent draft next year for Kelly Bryant. Boom. Smart. Yeah. Love it. That's what the Sixers did. Um, up Trust next, the process. Florida heads to Mississippi State. Dan Mullen returns. Dan Mullen returns. Um, Stark Vegas, because you can get away with saying that. We did it a bunch. I think this is going to – This I know this is going to sound, oh, yeah, you're, just, you're picking Mississippi State because you had him for 10 wins this season, whatever. No. I'm taking the Bulldogs to cover. I think this game actually stays relatively close for a while. I think it stays, maybe maybe it's you know one touchdown to two touchdown that back and forth thing where like the the home team is up two touchdowns but they can't quite separate themselves but they they finish with a nice little run at the end there and it's like oh the game wasn't that close. Um, I think this game does stay close for a decent amount of time but I think Mississippi State pulls away late. I think just going into that atmosphere right now, I don't trust. Felipe Franks throwing against that defense, which I think is going to be much better. Last week, Kentucky just tried to run it down Mississippi State's throat, and that's exactly what they did. They wore them out. I don't think Florida necessarily is going to do that. I think they should, but I, I think they're going to throw it too many times. I think right. this is a Mississippi State that defense that can tee off on those kind of mistakes. Big bounce-back game for Nick Fitzgerald against that defense. Bulldogs get a much-needed win. Yeah, the line is 8.5. I, I completely agree with you. As I said before, I think that the reason this line is so low is because of the on-paper performance of how both teams looked last week. It, I mean, that looked like a big win from Florida last week. It was not that impressive. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from them for beating a rival, but if you watch the game, it was terrible. Uh, that being said, I still think Mississippi State is a is a pretty good team. I don't know if they're elite, like you said earlier this year. However, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I just put words still in your mouth. Still in the 10-win pace. Still in the 10-win sure, okay. pace. I do think that they will win this game, I mainly because... I think Florida's defense has improved now they get CC Jefferson uh, and David Reese back. However, we saw what a mobile yeah, they were last week. They I think I think we see like what like a mobile quarterback or an athletic quarterback will do against this defense. Like when Kentucky played him, and that was Terry Wilson. Yep. And there's a big difference between, you know, our favorite neighbor Terry Wilson and Nick Fitzgerald. So I think Mississippi State wins. I think they cover. I think the play, this is like my favorite play of the week in the SEC, is the under here. I would agree. No. I would agree. Yeah. Great. Well, now even though it is two offensive-minded so. coach, yeah, two offensive-minded coaches, but yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, that offensive-minded coach last week scored seven points at Kentucky. So, anyway, moving on, <laughs> South Carolina heads to Kentucky in a battle for the ages, game of the century. Let's talk I'm about done. Lex, baby. Oh, that's Nailed good. It. That's you're you're all over the punch there. Dude. You're crushing it. Uh, I'm done betting against Kentucky. Um, I am giving it up for Lent. I decided no more betting against Kentucky. It only makes me look really stupid. I would take Kentucky if they were a, a six-point favorite. I don't care that they're only a two-point favorite. A lot, yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm a believer. I, I'm, I've admitted many times that I was wrong. Give me Benny Snell to uh, run past that defense. I think that this is a South Carolina... Uh, offensive line that has played really, really well, and I think Josh Allen doesn't take over like he did down the stretch uh, this past week against Mississippi State, but... Kroger Field's going to be lit, man. And give me give me the cats. 
Yeah, I, have, I really don't have a feel for this game. I really like the under in this one as well. Um, I think it'll be a lot closer than people think. When I look at it, I, I just it scares me to go like against Kentucky for the third time this year, but also it scares me to go with Kentucky for the first time this year. But when you really look at it, like what is Carolina's best win on that resume? It's it's Vandy, lowly Vandy after a week off. Other than that, it's it's a decent win against Coastal Carolina. Kentucky's been very impressive the entire year. It's not a big, big line here. They're at home. I just, it, it might be tough for them to get up like emotionally for like the third time in September. Yeah. And, and the one thing that worries, the one thing that does worry me about Kentucky in this matchup is they have yet to face a quarterback who could move the ball down the field in the, in the passing game. Yeah. Felipe Franks couldn't do that. Nick Fitzgerald couldn't do that. Jake Bentley, I actually think, can do that. I'm not as high on Jake Bentley as, as some are and think right. that he's a next-level prospect or anything like that, but I do think that he, in that offense with Brian McClendon, has shown good signs of being able to sustain drives and do that. So that's going to be a different kind of challenge for them, but yeah. how can you bet against Kentucky right they now? They haven't you know? been tested on, like, on, on the outside with like receivers like that or, or right. skill players yet like this this season because South Carolina is better in, at, as, at the skill positions than any other team they faced. Last one, Ole Miss goes to LSU. Uh, LSU is a now 11.5-point favorite. I'm going to let you go first, and then Coach O is going to come on and say a few words. Yo, Burrow. Yo, Burrow. Give me the quarterback. No, yo, that was, I'm, uh, I'm that, Coach O. Oh, you're Coach O. You're Coach O. I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was good, I'm though. Sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm getting it. I can only do it in, like, two or three words. Yeah, let's just do it uh, um, next verse. time, like, not on air, though. That's just. Yeah, okay. That's fine. That's cool. Uh, give me give me LSU to, to cover against an Ole Miss defense that um, – I praised week one for the job that they did holding Texas Tech to 27 right. points and have just done nothing much to really make you feel confident ever since then. Uh, I think LSU's got the, the pieces in the secondary to be able to contain somewhat NWO. NWO will have a few nice plays in this game, but I think 12 points just is not enough. Death Valley at night, electric atmosphere, LSU. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think it'll be a lot more low scoring than we've seen. Um, it worries me that this line is like this because I feel like it should be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're top five team. You're at home at night in like the toughest stadium in the country. I I'm gonna take LSU. And I'm gonna tell you why. Gonna, we don't come on here. We play on Mets at weekend. We got a land shark coming in. Go go, for Uncle Tony. Tony the land shark. Let me tell you something about shark. They got a whole week in July. It ain't July. It ain't July. You like jaws? I like paws. Pause over jobs. It's almost say. Almost say. We'll see y'all down in Death Valley on Saturday night. Go tight. Pause, pause over jobs is so great. You saw what Cole Mag. Cole Mag ain't did with that shark. I don't even want to tell you what I done with shark. Oh, Coach Hill, way too soon. Just way you know. too soon. Uh, moving Allegedly. on. So, fourth and wrong. We've been wrong about a lot of things that have been said out loud. Uh, on this podcast, mainly the <laughs> Uncle Cracker nightmare that happened earlier. Um, so, as we do each week, we solicit questions from you guys. Uh, they are non-football related questions. We put up the best and funniest ones. I still can't make eye contact with Connor right now on this FaceTime because of the Uncle Cracker <laughs> thing. So, we have a few that we came up, uh, we found today, um, thanks to y'all. So, the first one comes from D underscore A0927 on Instagram. Said, I turn 21 tomorrow. What's the first drink I should buy? Jameson. Neat. What? Classy. He's not a politician. He's 21. 
Doesn't matter. Long Island iced tea and a Jaeger bomb. Throw up within 30 minutes of your birthday. No, 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 no. That's that's not the first drink you order. No. That's like later. That's later in the night, man. You start off a little bit classy. You have a nice classy celebration and start of your night. And pretend like you're an adult, and then you get crazy later on. We, yeah, that's not what I did at all. Also, like, what is it with like, like it's mainly just white people. Just like when you turn 21, there's no fun that's planned. It's like, hey, we should get him like close to alcohol poisoning. Let's make him throw up within two hours of his birthday. Just ruin the entire day. His parents probably come down true. tomorrow to have lunch with him. But yeah, let's just make sure he's dead for that. Yeah, that always ends up happening, yeah. too. Um, yeah, first drink. I mean, I, I think I've said this before on here. Like, the first drink I ever ordered at a bar, I was like 19, was an Amaretto Sour because the girl I was at a formal with ordered it. And so the best advice, I couldn't give you advice on what to, what you should buy, but tell you what not to buy. First, first thing a bartender ever said to me was, hey, here you go. Don't ever effing do that again. So, don't do that. Uh, moving on, seamless transition. What's the best tailgate recovery method the following day? That was asked by STL Soco on Instagram. So, this depends because there are two different ty- types of tailgate recoveries that you need to be aware of. And there is the dreaded noon slash 11 a.m. kickoff. Oof. And if you got to muster through that one... All right, the good news is, is you got plenty of time for an afternoon nap. All you got to do, you, you tailgate super hard in the morning, you, you get that, that two-hour nap in the afternoon, you wake up, you're, a little, you're, you're hungover, like late afternoon, you're like, what's going on? You go get yourself some barbecue, life's going to be okay, you settle in, you watch all the night games, and not... then you have a few more beers just to kind of calm the, the stomach down a little bit, and then you're fine. Day drunk is so, so that's the, different that's the afternoon. Yeah, but the night one, that, that's tough, that's tricky, because it... If you get the 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 hangover for the you know the the night kickoff, let's say you're gonna be a bat rouge on on a Saturday night, nine PM kick, you gotta kinda pace yourself. We know that's not gonna happen. But yeah. You end up getting the hangover at because it's an early night. So you end up getting the hangover at like, you know, two in the morning or something when you wake up and right. you're like, Oh my gosh, a, a train just hit me. Yeah. Obviously water in the middle of the night. And I've somehow on, on the bed, which is the bathroom floor. Yes, remember, gotta always gotta always try and find the toilet. Yeah. Key key thing. Uh, I'm a big eggs and potatoes guy the next day. I think that uh, that takes care of it. I think that always does a job. And Grease coffee, and Pedialyte. Uh, just yeah, it is. You're you're so spot on with this because day drunk is so much different than Way like different. if you're like really drunk day daytime. Like it's like ugh. Like it's everything's still light outside. It's like God's got you under like an interrogation lamp. It's just it's a lot going on. Um, the night the nighttime. That's yeah. That's where I, I shine. Um, the next day though, I mean, I've, I remember leaving Columbia one time for a Missouri, South Carolina game and I left a best Western and I left my bag, my wallet, everything pretty much that I owned in the, in the hotel. And I was like, I can't go back in there. I can't physically move back in there. Essentials. I just left. <laughs> so there's that. Pedialyte. I can believe that. Pedialyte and grease. Pedialyte, yeah. And there's a, like, a, uh, what's the, like the vitamin C stuff that you can take to prevent a hangover? Um. You can take beforehand. That stuff's good too. Oh, I thought I neither one of us said water at any point. I said water. <laughs> I said water at 2 a.m. when you wake <laughs> I mean, up. Yeah, water and all the Gatorade. Um, yeah, okay, we, got, we have two more here. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> there were so many good submissions. Uh, we're not going to go through this one, but this is just hilarious. We have to mention it. What did the first person who discovered milk think they were doing? Again, not going to get into it. Just a little visual for you. Uh, let that ruin your day. What is the most <laughs> passive aggressive way to tell someone their opinion is wrong? That comes from Jake Ivy on Instagram. That is easy. Bless your heart. Yeah. Hey, old brother, why don't you ask my ex-girlfriend? Am I right, Connor? You're Larry the Cable Guy? That's really what it is. 
That's 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 what it's getting into. Uh, fun fun fact: big Nebraska fan, Larry the Cable Guy. Oh my god! I've, all the references you've made today are the opposite <laughs> of what I was intending, and it makes me so upset. Um, most passive aggressive way. What I what I like to do, and this is what I hate the most, is um, smile and make direct eye contact while they're explaining themselves. And just be like, uh-huh, cold. yeah, sure, okay, yeah, uh-huh. Um, and then just be super dismissive. But, like, do it with a smile on your face. Or it's like, it's like any way you can express saying, per my last email, out loud. It's like that. Whenever somebody writes that, that's the best way to do it online. There is really no good way to do it online. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah. Well. Bless your heart is, to me, that, that, that takes the cake. I know. Passive-aggressive is not the way to do it. Just be aggressive-aggressive. Um, yeah, that's true. Okay, and last but not least, we're not going to talk about the World Series because I know you're going to say something stupid. I will. Um, best way to break up with a girl comes from kill.patrick on Instagram. Whoa. It's just K-I-L. It's not like... Oh, okay, okay. So not... Oh, all right, we're good. Like kill Patrick. Like, like that's, that's a name. Okay, so uh, best, best way, way to, to break up with a girl. I was putting two and two together no. that was going in a different direction. You need to, you've done uh, that a lot today. It's always... It's I'm wrong. sorry. I'm sorry. My, my <laughs> brain is... Next time. Mile a minute. Uh, best way to break up with a girl, uh, send her a woof. Sorry, what? What was that? Send her a woof. Uh, which It's the all, all communications way to address someone. You can get an email. You can get a text. Are you you really can get a fax. You can get a phone call. Uh, send them a woof. Um, I definitely like to go with... Uh, Dude, I've just been so busy. Work's been crazy. They know work's not been crazy. It never is. I mean, well, it, it is now that I have like a real job. But like back in the day, I'm like, yeah, all right, Chris. Sure, work's crazy. You're up at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe just tell her how you feel about another girl. And so she knows that it's over. Um, and just break it to her, not gently. You know what? Also, do it in public where there's people that can record it. So if there's any kind of fireworks, you'll be... Um, famous because it'll you know go viral. What's another good way to do it? Uh, do it on an airplane. Airplane's good because yeah. you can't go anywhere. So wait, wait, you're you're, you're going to want to go somewhere. I feel like you're going to want to. Okay, yeah. maybe not an airplane, but do it in a long car ride when you're hungover. Yeah, that'd be coming good. back from a cruise ship like I did junior year of college on spring break. Moving on, Connor. Let's end with it might be too much. We've given enough bad advice for the day. Ross Ellinger of Sports Illustrated. Like she's been uh, gaining t- weight. Just and, and then just don't ever talk to her again. I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's terrible. But that's bad. Uh, Ross Ellinger of Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's in uh, Stark Vegas right now. He tweeted out a photo of this. Uh, so there is a, an ice cream place in Stark Vegas called Bops. And apparently, according to to Ross, uh, Dan Mullen used to order this off-menu creation of vanilla concrete, chocolate syrup, chocolate chips, and M and M's. It sounds concrete? delicious. It's like it's custard. Oh. Never heard of that? You ever been to Culver's or anything like that? Come on. No, I didn't get fat uh, ice cream. I got it from... Yeah. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> but anyway, so the order, the off the off menu order used to be called the Mullen. Well, it is no longer called the Mullen. They don't it's even called, say Mullen there, though. It's called the Lateral Move. <laughs> that's good. That, that's that's good. the most passive-aggressive that's, way to do that. That's good. That's really good. And apparently there are also t-shirts uh, in Stark Vegas that say, Dan who? Oh um, Dan, the guy who built your program for the last 10 years. Literally just be anybody went to Dan. a job to get, yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently Mississippi State fans, not 
too happy about it. Uh, there's also uh, buttons that are being passed around. That uh, this this hit the internet the other day. Uh, buttons with uh, Nick Fitzgerald. Uh, photoshopped, of course, an image where Nick Fitzgerald is giving the finger to Dan Mullen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those buttons are, you know, classic. It might mean too much. You're going to see them everywhere. Definitely not going to see a close-up of that no. on the ESPN cameras, but little they'll be talked about. thought and some actual real advice to all you fans out there. Never, ever, ever buy a shirt or any kind of, like, apparel with a coach's name on it. Bad idea. I, I mean, that is, I remember, like, like, I like Mike, like Mike Shula, Mike Price. No, 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 Mike DuBose, absolutely not. O'Brien's Lions up at Penn State. Also, don't buy one with a year on it, because if your team wins again, it's already over. Let's go finish off with some five-star reviews. You guys gave us so many great five-star reviews. These are so, so good. Um, I'm going to kick one off uh, here. We got this is from, uh, I can't get to all of them. We had so many, but this is from the Z-Man 18, uh, subject, favorite podcast. Such a great show. Great balance of entertainment and football analysis. Will recommend to my buddies, keep up the great work, guys. Jordan Rogers blows. Okay, uh, so that's interesting. You really just uh, outdone yourself today. Yeah. Uh, this next one, uh, we're, we're going to sense a theme here. Uh, subject line, it might, it, or no, this is just, it means too much. This is from uh, Crap on a Spatula. Okay, so there's that. Uh, wrote this review so I could finally see my name associated with five stars. Sincerely, Jordan Rogers. That's, yeah, that's good. That's, that's really good. I, that's good. I, I'm going I'm to keep the leash on today. I've already said enough yeah. about Uncle Cracker. And they're the same person, in my opinion. <laughs> um, let's see. We have, uh, oh, another one. This is from uh, un- East underscore uh, like the direction. Subject line, Hail State. Connor, you are the OG of Mississippi State. Hashtag respect. Also, I love the Ed Talks. I, lo- I mean, I love how when you talk about Mississippi State in like the most like <laughs> like pleasant and, and praising way, they're like, that's awesome, dude. You're the OG of Mississippi State. And then like I say something about Bama, like, Hate it too much. Definitely a homer. Also, Uncle Cracker rules. That's what I'm talking. If we get about. a negative review this week about me, oh, and then we about like doing any impressions, and then somebody says something nice about Uncle Cracker, I will quit the podcast. Whoa! I'm not really, not really, guys. This is my favorite thing in the That's, world. Yeah, we want that. Um, okay, so uh, this is also a great one. This is from Jason Valdosta. Uh, subject line: Great podcast. This podcast is both insightful and funny. On a side note, Marler looks like the the Arkansas walk-on they made a movie about. Apparently, that guy was not a, a walk-on. Brian Bullsworth. That is you look that picture very is ridiculous. <laughs> it's really good. If you haven't seen it, go to our Instagram account. Um, it was it was pretty funny. Uh, I, I I got a good kick out of that. I, yeah, I made the mistake on the Facebook Live, which we'll mention. Make sure you check it out on Saturday mornings at nine thirty or ten a.m. Um, going over all the gambling picks, and I decided to do, I guess, I mean, like an AMA, or like we did the mean people, or mean tweets. Mean tweets, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, you guys, like, why don't you, like, give a, a forum to roast whoever you want, and I didn't say me. I said, whoever you want, and everyone chose me, and I got yep. called a lot of things. Two people called me White Urkel, not my favorite. It's all. It all comes back to the glasses. It's your defining characteristic. That is... <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's what people are that's what people gravitate to the what do they say what does Dwight say uh, the eyes are are the groin oh, of the yeah. face. <laughs> 
Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh gosh. Let's let's close things out. Make sure you're watching Facebook Live so you can roast Chris and his glasses every Monday night and Saturday morning. Uncle Chris is going to get you rich. Seriously, you are making people so so much money. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS at CJ O'Gara. Coach O, you gonna deliver a halftime speech this week? I don't think you're gonna need it, but we're definitely doing an Ed Talks, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be about how to correctly eat crawfish. So we get excited. Stay tuned for that. And remember, most important thing, everyone. Coach O, what do we gotta remember? It means too much, you make me smile. No? Uncle Cracker did not do well in this podcast. Say no, no, he doesn't do well in a lot of things. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Enjoy week five. <laughs>